Morning, family. How's it? Lekker in South Africa. Sharp, ne? It's so good to be together. And just, I want to just echo Debbie's words. It's such a privilege to worship the Lord together with such a diverse community, with such beautiful sound that comes from so many different spaces in our lives. It's such a joy, isn't it? Such a privilege. Thank you for those of you that are joining us online. It's really good to have you with us also. This morning, it's my great privilege to pray for a team and also a person within that team, and that's our young adults team. So won't you guys come and join me quickly? Come on stage. Make me look good. Thank you very much. So this is our wonderful young adults coordinating team forum, whatever you want to call them, that serve not only in our evening services where they facilitate that service, but also in other places, small groups, other things, initiatives that they take to create a home and a discipleship space for our young adults, which is 80 to 54, because I'll be 54 (laughs) soon. No, 18 to 35, and uh, it's such a privilege and a joy for us to walk with them and uh, and, uh, just to see what God is doing through them, and we want to pray for them. But also today, we want to introduce you to Jen. Jen, come stand here next to me. She's uh, well known to many of you in our community. Uh, because she is the proud youngest child of Sean and Trudy. And um, Jen has taken over the responsibility of coordinating and leading this team. And she's from the 1st of October. She joined our staff team. So it's such a great joy to have her with us. And she's already causing quite a stir among us. So um, it's, I would like to ask you just to stretch out your hands. Let's pray for them. And also specifically for Jen. And trust the Lord for greater grace in this place and for new things to happen in their midst. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the father of every generation, Lord, that there's no gaps in our journey with you, that in every stage of our life, we can meet with you and learn about who you are and get to know you better. Thank you for this team, first of all, Lord, for their hearts, for you, for wanting to facilitate a space where others can get to know you also and to disciple their own age group, their peers and friends. And we pray over them, Father, just an anointing of your spirit, an increase of your grace um, in the evening services and in every other place, Lord, where they formally and informally disciple people. And we thank you, Lord, for much more that you are doing in their midst. And then, Lord, it's our privilege to also pray for Jen. Thank you for her taking up this role and this position. And uh, we pray for her, Lord that your grace will be upon her, that she will experience so much more of who you are and of your joy and your purposes over her. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask Jen, and she's going to introduce just a short clip to you just to tell you a little bit more about young adults. Mike, there we go. You speak loud, James. <laughs> yeah, I can project, but not that loudly. <laughs> so it's so wonderful to be with you today. We are so excited to introduce ourselves. And we sat together as a team and we decided what are our core values. And that you will see in the clip. But as I was pondering about what to say today, the Lord just placed on my heart, you are not forgotten. I haven't forgotten the dreams I've given you. So if you're a young adult, even if you're not, (laughs) but if you're a young adult and you're sitting here today and you're going, 
God gave me dreams. I don't know what happened to them. I'm just going to leave them and carry on serving him. Don't forget them. You are not forgotten, and he has not forgotten the dreams he has given you. And so as young adults, we want to be biblically-minded children of God. We want to know our identity as children of God. So that's going to be shown in the clip now. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you two things. If you are between the ages of 18 and 35, then come and join them in the evening service. I'll be there tonight sharing on prayer, so I'm looking forward to that. And secondly, I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for them, the leaders, for Jen, and for our young adults uh, in this time. How many of you know that uh, we need the Lord with our younger people as much as we do with our older people also in every generation and time? So thanks to them. Well done, guys. Well, it's uh, been such a joy, and I trust that you found it uplifting, encouraging, instructive, um, but really at the end of the day, that you are experiencing just growth and development and forward momentum as we are all pressing together into prayer and what it means to be praying. For the first couple of weeks, we've considered things that, um, that are of the nature of where we first of all spoke about pause, and this little pray word here is also an acronym. Let's go on. There we go. So the P stands for pause. Stop. How many of you know when we pray, like Jesus said, go into your quiet place, your secret place. We draw away to be with the Lord. But not only do we pause, we also rejoice and reflect. And we spend time, like we spoke about last week, adoring the Lord. Making sure that we know that we live in a world where he is on the throne. Where the challenges of life is not what defines our lives, but our lives are defined by the fact that we have the God who loves us, that is our Father. And Jesus taught us and he said, our Father who art in heaven. Today we're going to move over though and we're going to start talking about the A, which is ask. And we're going to talk about what it means to ask the Lord. And then we're going to spend quite a few weeks on different ways of asking the Lord and components of that. And then ultimately we will, we will talk about yielding again. And uh, so I want you to remember this little acronym. Pause, rejoice or reflect, ask and yield. As a bit of a prayer process that perhaps in all of our lives we can follow and just have a journey as we pray. So today I want to zero in on that wonderful next line. That Jesus introduced. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, when you pray. And then he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that was what we've been speaking about. But then he does quite a quick transition. If you think about it, when he talks about our Father who art in heaven, he's looking up. It's the vertical element of prayer. It's dealing with everything that is perhaps in our understanding, a bit more on a spiritual plane or a spiritual level. 
It's about moving into the spaces that are beyond us. And so he draws us to look up. We're talking to God when we pray, our Father. And we've said our prayer is relational. But then he does a very quick transition and he moves from the vertical element of prayer into the horizontal element of prayer. And he says this in, in Luke eleven three: give us each day our daily bread. So he moves from this posture in prayer to this posture in prayer, where we're starting to deal with life and its reality around us. And I, and I think I, I would like us to notice that that's very important and significant. That prayer is not only about dealing with things upwards, higher than us, with God, but it's also about dealing with the realities of life. He says to us, prayer is about the smallest thing that you can come up with in your life. Is supposed to be involved in prayer. Last week we spoke about how when we adore God, we talk about how big He is. Our Father who art in heaven. That He's not defined by our world. He's not confined to our world. But that He is the God that is bigger. The God of the universe. The God that we can always look up to and say, wow. That inspires us. And then Jesus says, from there, look. And look at the little things. Daily bread. Because not only is your Father about the expanse about all of time and all of space, but it's about every little thing in your life at the same time. And it's like Jesus brings prayer into that place now where the rubber meets the road, where it gets real very quickly in terms of our experience. Because let's face it, I can pause and come and spend time with the Lord. I can rejoice and reflect on Him. And all of those things are very sort of almost abstract exercises but when it comes to asking asking is about real things asking is measurable asking has to have an outcome has to cause something to happen otherwise asking is not worthwhile Jesus is saying ask now today I'll focus a bit more on the daily bread but within this asking, he says, forgive us our daily sins. That's asking. So he's, he's saying whether it's your material or, 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 or metaphysical realities of your life, everything from the smallest thing needs to be brought into prayer by asking. Asking. He's literally saying to us, I dare you to ask me. Ask me for things. I dare you. Because I want to answer your prayers. I want to do something with what you ask me. Prayer is not merely spiritual. It's very practical. It's very real. Prayer is not merely a religious exercise that we do to shape our world according to who God is. It is dealing with the everyday struggles and things that go on in our lives. It has both vertical and horizontal elements. And I think this is beautiful for us to remember. Because as Christians and as spiritual people, we can be, over time, finding ourselves that we push prayer into a less real practical space and into a bit more of a sort of religious spiritual space. 
But Jesus refuses to do that. He brings it like here on earth into the dust and the, and the raw reality. He says, this is what prayer is about. In Luke 11, verse 9 and 10, after he's given his instruction on prayer, he says the following, such a well-known scripture. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened. Now we know that what Jesus is saying was in the, in the present um, tense, in the present continuous tense. He's saying ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. We have to remember, like I've said the first couple of weeks, prayer is relational. So the asking is coming into the space of a relationship. He's saying, come on, come on, engage with me. Come on, make me part of everything in your life. Bring me into your life. And the way you do that is by asking. And it is so natural for us to ask. Whether it's big things that we trust the Lord for or little things. I love the fact that Jesus begins with a little thing. Well, if you don't have daily bread, that's a big thing. But it's, a, it's little in the sense of it is a detail. It is an everyday thing. He's not saying to us, ask for something that you need every so often, once a year, once every four years. He's saying, ask me for everything you need every day. Little things. I think it's so important in our lives to Ask the Lord for little things. To be in a childlike space almost. Where we can say, I can, I can speak about anything to my father. Last week, you'll remember when I, when I was in the sermon, I used an illustration of a, of a magnifying glass. How many of you remember the magnifying glass? Oh yes, there was a magnifying glass. Now that magnifying glass, I knew we had one in our house somewhere. And on Saturday before the Sunday, I started looking for it and I couldn't find it. Because in our house, it's not only me that uses things. We have these other people in my house that somehow has not learned that you put the thing in the same place where you found it. They get creative. They have expressive needs to put things. And uh, so I didn't know where it was. I was looking. I couldn't find it. And so Saturday evening, before I went to sleep, as I was sort of half in that almost half asleep state, I prayed. I said, Lord, where is that magnifying glass? Can you show me where them? And I got a picture in my mind. Like immediately, I got a picture. And then I slept. So Saturday and Sunday morning, I got up and I went to the drawer that the, I know the picture is from. And as I opened that drawer, there lies the magnifying glass. Exactly the picture that I saw. Now, that could just be, you know, a memory that I somehow had. But the coincidence is interesting. A little while ago, about a month ago, um, my one weed eater is not working. Not a very fancy one, but it's just sort of not the bottom of the range kind of weed eater. It's a little bit, little bit better. And I took it to a guy, and uh, he looked at it and let me know that I need to buy a new head for the weed eater. You know that head where the plastic gut, whatever you call that, spins out of? And um, he said to me, the only place you're going to find this head is somewhere in Midrand. You'll have to go there, and then they, it's the, the company you know, who made this. They'll be able to find it for you and sell it to you. He thinks it's about 500 rand. So I'm like, oh, no. 
I can't, I don't have time to go to Midrand. I don't want to go to Midrand. Now you start thinking, is it not easier just to buy a new one? And, you know, then that becomes a couple of thousand rand, and you're like, oh, no. So I had one of those moments where sort of, you know, offhandedly said, ach, Lord, will you please help me with this weed eater? And so when Natasha and I was in a, at the Kruger Park, and we, we stayed close to Hazy View, and so one day we went into Hazy View just to get a few things, and the local game was closing down in Hazy View. So lots of bargains and specials, and uh, I like a bargain. So I uh, go into the, and you know, we start walking around, and I go through the garden section, and lo and behold, you will not believe it. But there, on one of the shelves, are hanging packets for the make of my weed eater that says, replacement bumper head. And I'm looking at this, and guess what? It's on special. It's 150 rand. <laughs> so now I'm intrigued. I'm like, hmm, this, this could work. So I'm thinking, even if it's not the right one, I can buy it because 150 rand, you know? I'll have one spare, whatever. So I bought it with great excitement. Almost bought two, but then I got hold of myself and I just said, okay, I'll just buy one. And guess what? When I got home and I put it on, it was perfect. It fitted. It was exactly the right one. Now, to me, that was my father. Just saying, have one, have a bumper head. You know, it doesn't change the world, but it means something to me. Can you ask God for little things? Because if we can ask him for little things, we can ask him for big things. Jesus is saying, will you dare to ask me and keep on asking? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I ask, but the keeping on asking becomes difficult. Because I've asked the Lord and I've asked him and I've asked him and nothing happens. And then I, there's a little bit of cynicism that can build up in my heart. A little bit of doubt, a little bit of like, okay, well, you know, okay, we're not going to talk. It's like a married couple. You've talk, spoken about things for a while now. Now you just don't talk about it anymore. We just live around it. There's an elephant in the room, but nobody's talking about it anymore. Because then we don't fight. So Lord, I'm not going to get upset with you because you've not. So I'm just going to stop asking. That's why Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. Keep on asking. I love what Archbishop William Temple said. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. And I think that's just the reality. Are we at a place where we can be childlike in our faith and ask the Lord and do simply what Jesus told us? Now the reason you and I can ask in prayer is because we have a worldview as Christians. We have a basic understanding about how the world works and about the truth of life. And this is our basic understanding. Things can change. Things can change. That's why we can pray. You see, sometimes people find it hard to pray because they have a fatalistic view of the world. Sometimes people think, ah, things are going to be the way they're going to be. Either if you're a Christian, you think, well, God is God and he's sovereign and he's going to do what he's going to do. And, uh, you know, so if I'm praying, I'm praying more like meditation almost. I'm, I'm, I'm engaging with God so that I can stop wanting what I want and get in line with what the universe or God is going to do and get myself aligned with that. And then I can be at peace. 
So people become fatalistic. If you're a Christian, God is going to do what God's going to do. Case or or So I'm just going to pray so I can get aligned with what God was going to do in any case. If you're not a Christian, you know, perhaps you believe in a world that is a materialistic world that has evolved. Then things are going to happen. What's going to happen? I can't change it. Now you and I as Christians don't believe that. We believe things can change. Or you believe things can't change because there's no power that can actually change anything. Things can't change. Things are what they are in the sense of there's no God that I can ask to change anything. He's not involved. He's not there. So as a Christian, I say, well, things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. So that diminishes my prayer life. Or I can go to the space, sorry, where I go, well, everything's up to me. It's my responsibility to change things. I must work to change things. You know that scripture in the Bible that says God helps those who help themselves. Some of you are, why are they laughing? When they do Christian surveys, that's one of the things they pop in there. They say, where does the Bible say the Bible, the Lord helps those who help themselves? And then the actually people, they go look for the scripture. Because many people believe that's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Now we have a role to play. We partner with God. But it's not up to us. We have a worldview that says there is a God that is engaged, that is involved. And that he wants to change things. But he's asked of me to be involved in that process. And this is where it gets really interesting for us as Christians. I believe that when I pray, I can influence God. And I have scriptural reasons to believe that. But why that's interesting is because God is perfect. God is complete. God does not learn. God does not develop. God is not unaware of something, and then when I pray, he becomes aware of it. He is complete within himself. He does not change his mind. He can actually not change his mind because he's God. He's complete. But now this God that is complete, that rules over everything, that does not have a moment of insecurity because things are happening that is outside of what he can rule and reign, tells me, you can influence me if you pray. Now, my mind struggles a little bit with conceptually and theologically with some of that, but that's the reality. So God neither has a thing where he says, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, so just get with the program and just meditate. That's what prayer is. God does not also not say, well, you know, if unless you do it, it's not going to happen. He lives here in this space where he says, I'm God, but you can involve me. And you can actually change and influence what I'm going to do. How many of you can remember some biblical stories that tells us that? One of the great ones, God comes to Abraham. And he says to Abraham, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm done with these people. I cannot in good conscience, allow them to carry on. They are defiling the earth. If their sin spreads, they will cause all of mankind great damage because their sin was impossible to describe even. 
what they were doing as a community and how they were mistreating and social injustice and everything. And God says, I cannot let this continue. So he, he says to Abraham, I want to wipe them out. So Abraham says, but Lord, I know you. I know who you are. I know you're a merciful God. I know you're a kind God. I can't believe that you, the God that I've gotten to know, will wipe out a whole city if there are 50 good people in the city. 50 righteous people. Won't you save the city for 50? He knows who God is. So he is he's telling God who God is. Now, do you think God needed to be reminded who he was? If you read that scripture and you think that God was angry and in his anger he forgot who he was and he needed somebody to remind him, then you don't understand the scripture because God cannot forget. God fully knew who he was and how he would do things. Yet, he takes this creature that he created that is imperfect, this mere morsel of a man, and he says, come on, challenge me, engage with me, ask me. So Abraham gets clever and he says, 50 people, come on, Lord, 50 people, you can't wipe out the city. God says, okay, you got me. I won't do it for 50 people, I will not. He says, okay, what about 45? If you won't do it for 50, surely you won't do it for 45. The Lord says, okay. He says, I know you, Lord, you're kind, you're merciful. Surely not for 40. How about 30? And so he keeps bargaining with God till he gets God down to 10. Now, was God learning something? No. But did Abraham really change God and influence God in that moment in terms of what God said he was going to do? Yes, you better believe it. So we as Christians have a worldview that says we can change things in prayer. And you better believe it. We can change things in prayer. Blaise Pascal said, God has instituted prayer to impart to his creatures the dignity of causality. It is one of the greatest dignifying things that Jesus did is when he said, ask, ask and keep on asking. You can change things. We pray, we ask because change is possible. Things can change. Through our prayers, the world can change. Through our prayers, the behavior of other people can change. Through our prayers, problems can be solved through our prayers. It can happen. Through our prayers, bumper heads can be found for weed eaters. It's just weird. But not only do things change, through our prayers, we change. In prayer, I change. We know the scripture in James 4 verse 3 that says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes we come to the Lord and we ask Him, and we ask Him with a heart that is impure. And then the Lord says, I'm not going to answer that prayer because you're coming from completely the wrong place. But do you know that He doesn't say, don't ask, even your impure motives. Because you know what happens when I bring my impure stuff to the Lord and I ask him? I'm actually bringing that to him and he starts engaging with me. And then he will start working with me to show me that my motives aren't correct. 
and it changes me. If I didn't ask in the first place, I don't give him the opportunity to change me. So when I come to asking the Lord, I don't do a lot of prejudgment of should I ask the Lord, can I ask the Lord this? I'd rather go and say, Lord, please. And then the Lord says, that is a dumb prayer. You cannot ask me that. Okay, sorry, Lord. Work with me. Help me understand. Then I grow. So prayer changes things, but prayer changes me also. But prayer is really powerful. When we ask, there's three things I want us to remember. When we ask, we ask relationally. I'm not asking some higher power, the man, the old man in the sky. I'm asking my father. That's different, isn't it? I'm asking my father. That said to me, come and ask. Because there's a relational. So every asking I do, it's very important to remember, happens within the context of a relationship. And it happens within the context of a relationship where the person I'm asking to give me and help me with something is actually the person that fulfills all of my needs by who he is. We sang it this morning. He is everything that I need. He is the thirst and he is the river. He is the, comp- the, the sum total. Tia said it. He's the, the, the beginner of our faith and the completion of our faith. Everything is in him. So when I come to ask him, I'm asking the one who is my everything that I need to give me something. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So when God answers my prayers it's more than just giving me what I want it's a relational activity and engagement with the one who is my everything so prayer is relational asking is relational asking is vulnerable asking means I come to him and I say this is outside of my scope of influence I can't do this this is I don't have the strength I don't have the wisdom I ask so there's a humility in asking But it's again, it's saying, I don't have a worldview that says everything's up to me. I have a worldview that says, I have a father who is the higher power, who has the final authority, and I can ask him. So I ask. Asking is being vulnerable. And the third thing is asking is intentional. To ask is to use your will. It's to engage your will. You and I live in a world now where... Our culture increasingly is growing uncomfortable with the concept of prayer. And so prayer has become positive thoughts. So you'll hear every now and then somebody will say, in South Africa we, we still do say it quite often, we'll, we'll pray for people. So like even if there's some natural disaster that happened like, you know, a big accident. I heard this morning there was a big accident in KwaZulu-Natal, if I think correctly, seven people died. When even the government officials speak into that, they'll say, we pray for the families. We still, but more and more you hear, if, if, certainly if you go abroad, they don't say we pray, we'll have positive thoughts towards the people. Now explain to me what are positive thoughts and how they help anybody. Please, I would like to understand that. How does me having a thought in my mind that I direct towards you, help you in any way. 
I don't understand that. You see, as Christians, we don't wish. We don't just meditate. We don't just think positively in somebody's direction. We don't send energy. We ask. And we're asking a person. You see, when I, when I have positive thoughts towards you, I'm, I'm, I believe that there's energy I sort of generate in myself. And through some system the universe has devised in its wisdom, that positive energy can be transported from me to you to make your situation better. That's like ESCOM. <laughs> Do you know that ESCOM can generate all the power they want? If we don't have cables between the power plant and your house that has not been stolen and that are functioning, they can generate all the power they want. I still can't boil my kettle. Amen? I mean, the board of ESCOM doesn't sit there and go, we're thinking electric thoughts. <laughs> and we are distributing electric thoughts to the nation. And then if you don't have electricity, they say to you, well, it's just because you don't believe. You don't have enough faith. If you just believe, you will receive electricity. And if you really believe, you'll pay for it also. No, it doesn't work like that. You see, the only way that anything in my mind that I feel or think towards you can have a positive effect on your life is if I take that thought and give it to somebody that has the power to actually do something with it. And that power becomes the, the connection between you and me. There's a God that hears my prayers and takes my prayers and goes and does something with it. There's not a universe or a mother earth. Ish. Let's go back to where it's safe and comfortable. It's intentional. Asking is, I'm, I'm engaging with the God. And I'm vulnerable because there are things that I don't understand. There's challenges to asking that's bigger than me, but I'm not going to stop asking. I'm not going to give up. I wonder if you've given up asking. Perhaps you've been praying. Let me speak to the young adults for a moment. Well, the rest of you just, I know they distributed all the place, all over. Perhaps you've been praying for a wife or a husband. I'm not talking to you guys. None of you. You know, you're like 20, 20 big number. You know, Lord, I need a spouse. That's tough. I make light of that, but I mean, that's, that's tough. That's a, that's a, that's a real place to be in. That's a give me my daily bread kind of place. Because if God doesn't do something, what's going to happen? Then you're left to either believing it wasn't in the stars for me to get married. Now, I don't know what the stars that are billions of light years away have anything to do with your marriage, but never mind. It wasn't in the universe's plan for me. Or it's all up to me. I'm not good enough. I didn't have what it takes. I must make it happen. Now, how many of you know it's not all up to you? 
But it's not all up to God either. It's this beautiful partnership that the Lord invites us into. And it begins with asking. Ask. You have a father. If it is such a real need as I want somebody to love and spend my life with, that need you can trust to your father. It's the only place you can go with it. If you go to it with the universe, I'm sorry, it's just going to float around. If you go to it with yourself, you're going to mess it up. But if you can trust God, He uses and He makes you, you. And He does something miraculous in that space. Amen? So prayer is relational, asking is relational, asking is vulnerable, and asking is intentional. In John 14, verse 13, Jesus makes a really bold declaration. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What is, how many of you old Hatfielders? Old Hatfielders. I'm talking about in the tent days Hatfielders. How many of you remember Pastor Ed used to teach us a bit of Greek every now and then? He said the Greek for all is all. Can you remember that? How many of you remember that? He would always say the Greek for all means all. So if Jesus says, come and ask me for anything, everything, the Greek for everything is all. No, everything. (laughs) Jesus is literally saying, you can come to me and ask me anything you want. Anything. Come, ask. You see, because the asking is up to me, the doing's up to him. Ask, whatever. That's what Jesus says. So are we childlike enough to believe that? That I can ask him anything. But there is an important part to that sentence. In my name. Now what does that mean, in my name? I want to suggest three things that we remember. And I think what Jesus was saying when he says, Ask anything in my name. And I will do it for you. In my name, first of all, to me, I think means in his character. In who he is. Ask him things that are consistent with who he is, and he can do it for you. My sons know that they will never ask me if they can drive the car if they don't have a driver's license. Don't even ask me. If you ask me, can I take the car and I don't have a driver's license, I will laugh at you, I will walk away from you. If you ask me twice, it may become a dark day for you. Because my character is we don't do that. Amen? Any conviction falling on anybody? And not because they bought the license behind the licensing place. They earned it. So I'm not going to, if I ask God for things that is outside of who he is, he can't answer that prayer. In the name of Jesus is in the consistency of his character. I get to know him and I can ask him. Secondly, it's in the name of Jesus gives me access. Because Jesus is by his sacrifice that I am saved and have been declared a son of God. And so I go to the Trinity and this messes with our minds. Because the nice way to explain it is I go with Jesus to the Father... But that separates Jesus and the Father. I'm going with Jesus to Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, complicated thing. But with Jesus, I have access 
into the heavenly throne room and I can ask anything because I've been given the right by my older brother that stands with me. So when I'm asking, it's just not me asking, I'm asking in the name of Jesus who qualified me to come and stand before God and ask him. So I'm asking in the character of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I'm asking in the access that was given to me by Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And thirdly, I'm asking in Jesus' name means I'm asking in faith in who Jesus is and what he has done. I have faith in him. Otherwise, we think in the name of Jesus is like you have discovered a genie in a lamp. And you go, in the name of Jesus. And then Jesus pops out and says, you have three wishes. And then I say, my first wish is that all my wishes will come true. And Jesus said, shucks, I never thought of that. <laughs> no. In the name of Jesus is I have faith in who Jesus is and what he has done. And, and it's not about how great my faith is. It's about how great the God is that I have faith in. That's why the Bible says, even if you have little faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Because the mountain doesn't get moved by your faith, it gets moved by the God in whom you have faith. In whom you have faith. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China said, the issue is not greater faith, but faith in a greater God. And you know, when I pray and when I ask and I engage with the Lord, I'm vulnerable before Him, I'm intentional with Him. Every time I ask Him something, I get to know Him better by the way He responds and behaves. I get to know him. And the more I know him, the more I trust him, the more I trust him, the more faith I have. And so it becomes the cycle in my life that this growth experience that all begins with asking. If I stop asking, I stop growing. Because then there's nothing to aim for. There's nothing that I'm trying to. And I think we must beware as Christians. Worship team, will you guys join me, please? That we don't get to the space where we stop asking where we become cynical or too mature or too spiritual. But we must ask. And I know, and we'll have a Sunday where we'll actually talk just about unanswered prayers. Because sometimes we've been asking and asking and asking, and the prayers aren't answers, and, 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 and it sort of demotivates us, and we feel like, does God even care? Pete Gregg, in his teaching on prayer, talks about stacking the dominoes. You know, sometimes I pray for something, I pray a little offhanded prayer because I need something for my weed eater and like this, God answers it. I didn't even pray about it twice. It's just, I go, wow, can't all prayer be like that? What was I, what did I eat that morning? What socks were I wearing? You know, how can I control this situation? How did I pray that? What, you know, so I can, so I can get more of my prayers like that because sometimes I'm praying for things for years. Every day I cry out. And it just doesn't seem like something's happening. Pete Gregg says, it's like you're stacking dominoes. Every time you pray, you put a domino down. You're building something. You're putting something down and you're saying, you know, you could be praying for a child. And you can't make them do the right thing, but your prayer changes things. But today I pray and I, I pray for them. I put down a domino. It doesn't change. I can't see the change yet. But I've put down the domino. Heavens are focused on that thing now. God made a promise, I will answer your prayer. So tomorrow I pray for that same child. I'm stacking the dominoes. I'm building in faith what God 
will do. Faith is living by what is not yet seen, as if it is being seen. I'm building it by faith. Sometimes we pray for years, years and years. My mom prayed for my dad to give his heart to the Lord for something like 12 years or something. We keep stacking the dominoes. We keep praying. You see, there comes a time where I can say, okay, well, I've done enough praying now, so now I stop praying. I disengage. This keeps there, still stays there, because I've prayed it. So the domino stays there, but now I've moved away from it. My faith is disengaged from that. It stops being an opportunity for me to learn and grow, to see God actually do something. I believe sometimes God still answers that prayer. We're just not present to see it because we've disengaged. We keep building the dominoes and we keep praying and we keep praying. Sometimes saints have prayed for hundreds of years before something happens. Hebrews 11 tells us about the saints that die without seeing the promise fulfilled, but they kept stacking the dominoes. They kept building. They kept believing in the city of God that they would never see, but they kept investing in it. They kept building it. They kept working at it. Our prayers are building the places where God can come and inhabit. Because one day what happens is God does something. And then the whole thing is changed. The whole thing is impacted. And you know, normally what happens, normally what seems to be happening is when something becomes a wrestle in prayer and there's domino after domino after domino, it's normally because God is building something that'll have an effect far beyond what you ever thought and asked. You think you're praying for a wayward child, but God knows that that child is the key that will unlock a whole new group of people. That that child may be the one that God uses to change something in the world, to invent something, to write a great piece of music, to do a piece of art that displays who God is. That, that child may become a teacher that impacts people or a doctor that, that gives great care to people. You don't know what that child's front line is going to be and how God wants to use it, but sometimes you are building that in the spirit because you're praying. Because you're praying and you refuse to give up. Remember last week we spoke about how our adoration is we refuse to let the devil diminish us. And that's what asking does. Won't you stand with me? And by the way, just for integrity, this, these are Neil's dominoes. Tia's dominoes. So there's a domino effect. Because I prayed the same prayer, I said, Lord, show me where my dominoes are. But this time around I got nothing. I wasn't wearing the same socks as the previous time. So I think this time the Lord wanted me to be humble and, you know, and that happened this morning that I couldn't find the dominoes. I was so sure I knew where they were. So thank you, Tia, for coming to my rescue. Are you okay to ask the Lord? I want to invite you. Let's just take a moment and put our hearts before the Lord, our minds before Him, our whole being before Him. And the way I like to do that, and I think many of us feel comfortable to do, is we open our hands. Because that's our bodies communicating to God and to ourselves something of a reality. So let's lift up our beings to Him. Lord, I want to pray for every one of these beautiful people. You know their journey. You know the asking they've been doing. You know where people have stopped asking. 
where they've disengaged, where they've given up, where they've tried to find a safe place in the river and instead of being engaged with the struggle of unanswered prayer, they've just sort of said, well, I'm gonna stop asking. I wanna pray for a reviving, a refreshing in those hearts today in Jesus' name. I wanna pray for a faith to arise, a simple faith that says, when I ask, I'm speaking to my Father that loves me and that delights in answering my prayers. Come Holy Spirit, do a work of restoration right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Perhaps right now as, we're, as I'm praying, there's something that's coming up in your mind or in your heart that you know you've been asking for but you've stopped asking. Won't you take courage this morning and say, Lord, here I am again and I ask you. I ask you. My faith may be weak. My faith may stumble. You may be even trusting the Lord for healing in your body. But you stop praying because it's not happened. All I want to say to you is keep asking. Keep engaged. Don't go into neutral and just coast down the road because you don't know where that's going to end. Keep your car in gear and say, here I am, Lord. It's painful to ask sometimes, but I'm going to keep asking. Come Holy Spirit, I pray right now. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. sense the Holy Spirit is just busy with people so I don't want to just move on fill the space with talking just allow the Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit there are deep disappointments present here today and those that are watching this recording or live stream or listening to us on radio I sense this real deep stuff in some hearts today some deep disappointments for some here today it's really difficult to actually ask again so I pray come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit there are some here that you actually your asking can't be answered positively anymore because what you've prayed for, the loss has been complete. There's no going back. Can you dare to step forward and say, Lord, I'm going to keep asking you because that may be the place, the only place where I can find answers for what happened is in your presence. And even if I don't find answers, I can find you. And you can be my hope and my resting place. Come, Holy Spirit. I sense there's a couple of couples here that in your marriage you've stopped asking because it's become an irritant between the two of you. It's become too difficult for you. You come at the same problem from different angles and it's caused friction and conflict and you've stopped asking together. And I sense the Lord wants to do a reviving, a restoring, 
Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I'm going to end the service shortly, but I do sense there are people here today that you need to step out and somebody needs to pray with you. You know, it's fascinating to me that Jesus said, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Prayer involves personal contact because God is a personal God. I know God can use emails to heal people, but you know God prefers contact. God prefers that somebody comes and stands with you. Get into the same space as you. Feels your anguish, feels your struggle, enjoys your celebration, whatever it may be, and says, can I pray with you? And that's what a community does. We pray with each other. We come, we lay hands on. And this morning, there's some of you just that need somebody to lay hands on you. Somebody that, that can just represent the Father's nearness to you, His involvement with you. That can come close. So I'm going to invite you, if you just in that place where you're saying, I need prayer because of what's going on in my heart, then come, start coming to the front. And our team, our ministry team, pastors, elders, leaders are going to be here. They're going to pray with you. Just come. If you've been praying for healing, let them pray for you. It may be a great opportunity for you to say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I've asking, but I don't have relationship. Then tell them and they'll pray that with you. If you're online, there's an email address that you can reach out to and we'll pray with you also and, and try and connect with you in that way. The Lord loves you. That's an emphatic statement, an absolute statement. Your Father loves you. He knows you. And to you, by name, he says, come. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. May the Spirit of the Lord be with you as you go into this week. As you ask him, may you sense his pleasure before he even answers your questions and gives you what you need. May you sense his pleasure. Please come forward for prayer for those of you that need prayer. I'm going to release you to go and thank you for being with us today. Thank you for those that have joined us online. May the Lord go with you. Please remember those that are interested, you can go to the Connect Lounge on your left as you go out and go connect with some of our people there. We're going to just continue to pray with people. I'm going to ask the team to just play for us a bit and just be in a place where we meet with our Father. May the Lord bless you.